Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and even heal under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm so happy today to have as our guest, who is an author, a speaker, a mentor, and a visionary marketer. A lot of different things there, my friend, but I'm happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm happy to be with you. Overjoyed. Good. Uh, so let's let's go right into it and say, at this time, under this world that we're living in, what's the focus of your work? Well, you know, um, what happened was, you know, in March of 2020, my wife and I were just doing our thing. You know, we were on the road a lot. We were out, you know, sharing wellness solutions and self-care solutions with people. And all of a sudden, uh, this pandemic hit and it closed us down. So we're sitting at our dining room table and like a lot of people, and we're just thinking about, well, what do we do next? A lot of our uh, personal and professional life was spent out meeting people every day and visiting. So we had to do something different. So while we were thinking about it, we were talking to others who were struggling and they, they, they pretty much all said that they were feeling a little isolated, a little bit lonely. And so, you know, what were the ways that we were going to uh, use to stay connected and maybe, uh, you know, help people cope? And then if they were finding ways to cope, maybe even elevate that so that we could all do something a bit different to feel better during this time. We had no idea how long it would take. And, uh, you know, as we can see now, it was kind of an up and down ride. But uh, one of the things I came up with was writing a book called The Currency of Connection. And I thought the way we would put that out into the world is uh, Carol and I would have conversations. So uh, we would talk about different topics, just bring up things. And the next thing you know, we have these conversations. And then that became the book. And then that became kind of like a, uh, a credo for us to just kind of keep people connected and maybe even explore what the result of those connections could be for you personally and professionally. Absolutely. Well, I must say I have the book. Thank you. And it's a wonderful book. And it does help you to say, this is what's important to connect in this world. Yeah. And certainly I know you have found it and I've found it. Uh, we're both doing shows. So, I mean, and, and basically because we want to reach out to people and have them be connected with the ideas of positivity today. Um, and so I, I think it's wonderful that the book is out there and that people can learn from that. And all, also, how did you, when you put it together, what was the end result that you hoped for? Well, I thought that um, because we were able to use connection to, to create energy, value, and meaning in our own life, we thought, well, maybe other people might be able to do this. Now, we were aware that everyone was not in the same position. So some people were, uh, you know, really struggling because of this, uh, this pandemic. Some people, um, you know, depending on the business they were in, they were finding ways to uh, benefit a little bit more from it or help other people. Um, but for the most part, people were, uh, you know, feeling lonely and disconnected. So what we were hoping is that maybe one of the things we said or did would inspire people. Maybe it would just help them make a phone call or, or, or go and help someone else. We found in our own life, the more we helped other people, the better we felt about our own situation. So it was really not as much 
uh, us focusing on what we could do to get out of this problem, but it was really asking people what they were struggling with. And then when we, were, when we helped them, we actually felt better ourselves. Yes, isn't that fascinating? Because I have found that so often in various ways when I can help somebody else, whether it's a family member or a friend or, or in many cases, like I'm involved with 12-step programs, and in that program, you can help people. I mean, not just share it by calling, by having a call, by talking. Yeah. The thing that's fascinating about that, and I think is that's what you're just saying, is when I do that, I feel better. So it's, it's like a wonderful formula for, I feel lousy, what can I do? I'll call somebody and I'll help them. And if I do that, I'll feel better. Inevitably, they're going to, and, and, and especially if you ask, how are you doing? And then when they say, I'm great or I'm fine, then you say again, how are you doing? Really, how are you doing? And then you may get a little bit further. Well, you know, a little bit, little struggle here or there. And then, well, tell me what's going on. And then you get, because we all have the same challenges. We all have problems. Question is, how much does someone really want to know? And how deep will they dig to get to that so that you might be able to tell them, hey, listen, this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what someone I love is struggling with, or this is the challenge we're all facing. How can we make it a better place to live? And uh, how can we make today a little bit brighter? And so that's that was our goal. Well, it's a wonderful goal because absolutely, we this pandemic has done quite a few things, one of which is we are all together. There's no difference whether you are wealthy or whether you're very poor. I mean, there are some extremes of what you know possibilities of catching the disease are depending on wealth, but still, every one of us can get sick. And this has put us all in the same, quote, boat. And yeah. so some of the same answers uh, are, you know, apply for all of us. And, and it depends, as you say, not everybody's ready to do the deepest work, but just being able to know that you, you could take a call and you'll feel better, or you could give a call and you'll feel better, is a, is a great piece of information. Yeah, and one of the things that I did not spend as much time on prior to the pandemic was mental health. I thought, okay, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going out into the world. A lot of times when we are free to do what we want, go to a job, go out and do our thing, we sometimes don't focus on our mental health as much because you know we're in a habit of just kind of doing the same things every day. Some call it work. Some call it your life. Some say the treadmill. But when you're kind of busy doing that, get up, you know, go out, come back, go to sleep, you sometimes don't even get a chance to think about your mental health. But um, from what I experienced, as well as some people I talked to, um, they said that there was a, a noticeable change in their mental health. So their emotional uh, well-being was being challenged. So in addition to the potential risks of getting COVID, we were feeling uh, different things emotionally. So our mental health was now um, maybe at the forefront. And that was something that we were hoping that this work would help people with is to say, you know what, there's a mental piece to this. There's an emotional piece. And well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, also finding out that we are similar, that I'm lonely, you're lonely. It's not like I'm something's wrong with me because I feel this way. We're yeah. all feeling this way. And that was a, a good piece of connection. Because also you say the way we, we work or whatever is a, a lot of our activity is, is that human doing as opposed to human being. Exactly. And, and when the virus came to us, 
we became a human being and what we saw not was not always the happiest human being. Oh yeah. Stopping is sometimes, uh, you know, looking in the mirror more and that, that could now, again, that could be a huge benefit if you use it as such. Um, I, I was experience, experiencing a whole different way of life from what I was used to for 35 years. So um, it was eye opening. Now that I look back, I'm processing it as why did this happen for me as opposed to to me? But uh, it's something I'm hoping to share with others, too, because a lot of people feel victimized by this situation. Right. Well, do you what are some of the things that you see that it is doing for you today? So that stopping, Tom, was a way of reassessing you know, what were the most important things in my life? Because as a very busy person who is going out there and being a human doing, I was not thinking about some of the more important things, like who were the most important people in my life? What were the most important activities and prioritizing them? Um, maybe what was one thing that I wanted to do today instead of 50 things? So it kind of simplified my life in a way and made me look at things in a much more um, basic fashion, which really felt good. And it almost uh, felt like I didn't have to do as much anymore. And as a result, I felt uh, more at ease. I also felt like a burden was lifted in some way. Right, well, it's a cleansing. What, I, what you're talking about, what I believe is true is a cleansing. We get rid of all that is not meant, is absolutely necessary. Uh, some is, you have to do some work if you're going to earn an income and things like that. But not all, not all of it. And when you get cleansed, you get down to the basics. And as I said, though, sometimes we look at that, as you said, look in the mirror, and you're not as thrilled as you would like to be. Uh, and, but, but what you're talking about with connection leads me to the other thing is that during this time, it's okay. In fact, we're encouraging people to connect and with connect and get some help, whether or not that's professional help or people that you know who you just talk with and just doing that will help. But it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. And, and it's something that we're not used to doing in, in many cases. And, uh, you know, we see it as a sign of weakness, but it really is a sign of strength to be able to say, um, I'm not doing well. And, you know, I, I've lost something. I think a lot of grief, uh, you know, had to be worked through and still does because we lost a way of life. We lost something that was familiar to us. Um, and, and, you know, I think about all the people who did lose jobs and lose businesses. And so that loss is real. You know, that's just like losing a loved one. It's like losing a piece of yourself, of course, losing income or life savings in many cases. So, you know, there certainly is a lot of grief to be dealt with. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many people that it was, it was shocking then, and it's still shocking to me today as this new variant comes through. And right. I hear more people being uh, connected to it and saying they've got it. Uh, it, is, it seems overwhelming, the number of people that have been infected and some of whom have died. Yeah. Very difficult times, very difficult times. And yet we're all here together, and that's your connection, too. We're connected not just by the disease, not just by the problem, but also by the solutions and by the way to help ourselves. And I think that, uh, you know, staying humble and realizing that we're all uh, just as vulnerable to all of the challenges of life, um, you know, not necessarily letting that get you down, but saying, what can I do uh, 
to be more resilient. Um, you know, that mental health piece, again, I think we've all focused um, on, on the health piece of this, but there is the physical health and the mental health. And uh, I've talked a lot more about it. I've also acknowledged it with other people. I have two sons who I'm talking to about it all the time and a wife. So, you know, we always talk about that part now where, you know, maybe uh, it was less uh, the focus before we're talking about that now. And I think it's a piece of, it's a piece of my work. Absolutely. What, how, if I may ask, how old are your sons? 27 and 21. Okay. Well, I have two daughters. They're a bit older than that, but one's 24 and one's 50. But, okay. uh, but then again, still talking with them, my 24 year old, you know, is a professional quote sta stage manager is a real thing. I don't know why I put quotes around it, but she's a stage manager. Yeah. And she was stage managing a show off Broadway when the pandemic hit two weeks into the run. And the shock of her testament student working towards her whole, you know, time after college and the shock of it and the what do I do now and how do I pick myself up and do this is something new that she never had to face before. Yeah. What did she decide to do? Well, what she found was she, she found a couple of different companies that were doing virtual theater wow. and needed somebody to learn to learn to become a virtual stage manager. So she ended up, I'm proud to say, being fully employed throughout all of this time. Maybe not as much as it would pay if you'd been on, quote, Broadway or something, but employed doing what she loves to do. Incredible. And it's wonderful. When she can get back to it in person, which they, she did for a brief period this fall, and then it went closed down again. Uh, she loves that most of all. But, but, but she's doing what she loves. It's that, and that's resilience. That is, you know, of course, we hear the word pivot all the time, but that is truly, you know, being creative and, and, and chasing your dreams no matter what. Right. And we never I'd ever prepared her. I know who had prepared our kids for a pandemic. I mean, for that kind of complete thing. And, and it's, it has so many effects, as you say, connection and how to be connected and who to be connected with. I mean, that's one of the things we can help others with. Like, if you're 24, which my daughter is, no, don't, even though the, the pandemic is here, if you can find any way to live elsewhere, do so. Because after a while, as my daughter said, I'm very, very interestingly, she said, I'm either going to kill myself or kill you. I don't know which, but I need to go yeah. be with my people. I need to be with people in their 20s and going through the same thing, yeah. which is what she was fortunately able to do. Uh, in, Good for her. We, we cannot, you know, we need to have people around us, but we need to have the right people around us too. Yeah, yeah. Alignment is, is critical. Absolutely, absolutely. So how, how did you come to be so bright? I mean, that's a nice loaded question, but I mean, well, this insight that you have is wonderful. You know, I think that, um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, I think that it's really just a, a series of failures and, uh, you know, just looking back on all the mistakes I made in life and all of the, you know, things I said and did or didn't say and didn't do that just kind of, uh, you know, led to me thinking, okay, you know, what is a way to live my life so that I could do the most good for the most people and, uh, and you know, stay uh, vital and, and, you know, keep thinking positive, creative thoughts and, and making something happen every day that makes, you know, uh, my life and the lives of those around me a little bit better. So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm blessed. 
Um, I think I, uh, I was told, you know, by my parents as a young, as a young person that I could do whatever I wanted. They, they believed in me and I had a lot of great mentors and coaches along the way who also believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. So I think that's a big piece of it. Right. Well, yes, it is. And, but the, the one piece of what you're saying is very, very important to me. And I don't know if everybody has this as you have it. That is to do things that help other people, to do things for the betterment of all. Yeah. Uh, we're so, we have been taught in this country, I believe, uh, that money is all, how successful you are in a job or something, you know, career or acting or whatever. Uh, I have a dear friend who is one of the nicest people I know, but is a not so successful actor and keeps thinking, if only I were as successful as in Name a Few Stars, that that would be the okayness. I, I know, unfortunately, that can't convince him otherwise. But you have that. Where, did your parents also communicate that thought to you? Yeah, you know, I, I have a story to share, which I think may shed some light on this. Right. So as a young man, my dad had an auto body shop. So I went to work. First, I went in there in a stroller and I loved being there. So I wanted to stay there. My mother wouldn't leave me as a baby. But when I was old enough to go visit and, and be in the auto body shop, I just loved being at in, in that environment. And, you know, watching everybody fix cars, I was fascinated by the tools and the, and the environment. So at a very young age, I was brought in there. And then when I could finally work myself, I begged my father to bring me in there. So I learned a work ethic just to kind of help out at first and clean up. And then, and then through, you know, growing in the, in the uh, auto body business, I learned how to do the work. And so I was in that environment where I got to be mentored and apprenticed in a trade at a very young age, I learned the value of work and being paid and, 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 you know, seeing production happen and, you know, things that were broken become fixed. So I loved that aspect of it, but I was always taught, you know, how to do these things and to take advantage of trying new things myself. So um, when I uh, finally left that business, my dad had passed, my mom sold that business. I went on to work outside the family uh, after college in the copier and fax business. I went to work for a company uh, that sold sharp copiers and a gentleman by the name of Al Kirshner, who ironically looked like my dad and acted a lot like my dad. My dad oh, was Italian, Al was Jewish. So I had now this new, uh, my, my Italian father had died. My Jewish father was right in front of me and I became uh, an apprentice to him in sales and the art of you know, presenting and being out in the world. So when I was first going out to visit customers, I was ultra service oriented. And my managers, my sales and, and my, my uh, vice president, they said, you know, don't bother with the servicing part. You just go sell. We'll let the service department do the servicing. But I would go to customers' offices 5.30 at night with extra paper, bring the toner, take the misfeeds out because I really felt something special and a connection to them. And when I got my first order, came back to the office and Al Kirshner said to me that day, he said, congratulations, tell me what happened. What did you say? And what did they say? And what did you say? And what did they say? And I said, and then I asked for the order. And he said, stop right there. He said, do you remember how you felt right before they said yes? I said, yes. What did you feel? I felt like I would do anything for them. If they would say yes to me, I would do anything for them. And he said, bottle that and never forget that feeling. 
how you felt right before someone said yes to you and always service them as though it was right before the first yes. I took that into relationships. I took it into business. I never forgot it. I'm going to be with my wife 35 years in a couple weeks. And I treat her like the first day I met her right before she said yes. I treat every customer and every relationship the way I do just before they said yes the first time to me. That's a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. And to have mentors like that is very fortunate, very fortunate. Yeah. I, I remember one that I had in high school who got me through a lot of things and he was very, he was my advisor. So, and mentors within businesses that I, that I was in. Yeah. So I want to ask you something else because there's so many things that you do, but one thing that I find fascinating is you too have a podcast. Yeah. It's called The Road Ahead Cafe. Yeah. Tell us about that. So about a year ago, I was in a networking Zoom meeting in the Netherlands. And it was very early in the morning because they're six hours ahead of us. Right. So it was 6 a.m. And I was in the Netherlands for a noon networking meeting, noon Netherlands time. And there was a gentleman named Frank Vandenhorst in there who was the guest presenter that day. And Frank is a change facilitation uh, consultant in, in, in the in Amsterdam area in, in the Netherlands, and a brilliant guy in so many different areas, and a teacher, professor, and uh, just brilliant in, in business and personal life. So him and I met, he told a story about his dad, who was a magician. And so later on after that visit, I reached out to him when he posted something. And I said, I love that story that you told about your dad and the magic trick and all that. We became friends, we had a little connection. And I have this other friend, Peter M. Fellows, who's a Canadian who lives here in New York. And I connected Frank and Peter because I found them to be at a very similar point in their spiritual journeys. So when they got together, they both suggested, hey, let's do something with Rick. Why don't we do a podcast and talk about uh, life and you know some of the ways that we each look through our own lens at some of life's issues and how we deal with struggle, challenges, and you know, try to make our lives better and the people around us. And so the Road Ahead Cafe was born. We started planning it in April. We recorded our first episode in August. So that's how much planning we did. Right. Each week, we got on a call every Thursday to plan this thing out from the platform to the title, to the, the, the genre, and, our, and our, our different episodes, and we've had the most fun. Tom, this is the most fun I've ever had in my almost 60 years on this earth. All right. Well, I, I understand that. I mean, I loved what I'm doing. I think I told you this. I started the first time I ever did anything like this was back in my college days when I did college radio. Wow. And it took me 50 years from then to now to go back to doing radio, in this case, podcasting. And is a joy. And it's also a joy when you're talking to people like yourself who have a positive approach. The world is so full of negativity right now, unfortunately, uh, that talking to people who are saying, I'm having, a, I'm having a good life and I'm doing this. I'm trying to help other people have a good life. And I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. There's a book by uh, Dr. David Hawkins. It's, it's called Power Versus Force. Right. And in this book... He has a vibratory scale, and he says that one person vibrating at the level of 500, which is the level of love, can 
basically cancel out 750,000 people operating at a negative vibration. So one person can make a dramatic difference in the world. That's a wonderful story because most of us think one person, what can I do? You know, 20, I can talk to 20 people or whatever. But what you're saying is the effect, you know, the the sound waves go out and touch many, many people. Yeah. Great. And so how many episodes have you done of the the podcast now? Um, We've recorded, uh, I think, 26. So just about a half a year. Half a year. It's a weekly and we've and we've got about 21 out there. So we, we try to stay a little bit ahead. The recordings are a little bit ahead of, you know, right. we're recording, I think, 27 and 28 this week and 22 will be published. Outside of the fact that you have three from people from different countries with, I'm sure, very interesting ideas. Is there a point of view that the podcast itself has? Yeah. So so this would be uh, maybe what you would call um life hacking. So basically, our goal is to help you um, find the tools within yourself to eliminate some of the the mental and emotional and physical struggle in your life. So we hope to share information, our own specific stories, terrific books. Um, We take questions from the audience once a a month. And then we, um, we take a famous quote from history and we analyze it, we break it down, all with the hopes that it might help you to have a better life. That's quite wonderful. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I think we can go over a little, which is if you could come up with one thing that you have said, not that it's the only thing or the best thing that goes along that line, what would you offer to our audience today? Um, I would say that um, within you are the seeds of greatness. So you really do have all of the answers within. If you would just trust yourself and take a moment to listen, um, everything is inside you. So we were, you know, we were put on this earth with specific gifts. Each one of us has different gifts. So um, one of the things that I like to help people do, and sometimes this just takes me saying it, is that you have gifts inside you. They're different than mine, but they're there. The goal of your life is to uncover, cultivate, and then celebrate those gifts, and then help others do the same thing. That's beautiful. That is a beautiful sentiment. I really appreciate that. Well, we're coming close to the end here. And before we do, I want to make sure that we get this in. If people who are listening are as fascinated as I have been with all this and would like to know more, what's the best way for them to reach you? Oh, they just go to rickgabrielli.com. Dot com. That's simple. And how do you spell Gabrielli? So the, the, the full name is Rick Gabrielli. It's R-I-C-K-G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-Y, rickgabrielli.com. Wonderful. Excellent. I really like that. And what about the, uh, the, the cafe, the Road Ahead Cafe? Is there a, a, a website or something we yeah. need? The roadaheadcafe.com. <laughs> you make them simple. That's beautiful. Excellent. Well, we'll put that in the material, not only in the audio, but in the written material. And I just want to thank you, Rick, for being here. This has been a fascinating interview and I enjoyed it tremendously. And I'm sure that our listeners will also enjoy it. A lot of good information. Thank you very much. much. I appreciate you, Tom, and all that you're doing in the world, too. Thank you.